Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We got a lot of housekeeping items to get to here today, sir. And we might even branch a little bit out of the Big Ten because there's juicy things that happen. Yeah. But to a certain degree, I kind of think pulls back into the Big Ten as well. Yeah. Um, here's something completely not college football related. I was just kind of curious if it surprised you or not. Um, I, I am a bit of a traditionalist, I, I believe. Uh, I go get a real Christmas tree. Okay. Cut it down. Uh, the so wife. You, you do the Griswold thing. Absolutely. You bring an axe. We don't though. go out. The, you bring an yeah. axe. We don't go out in the middle of nowhere. Um, we go to the same Christmas tree farm, <clears throat> the Hanson Christmas tree farm, and and uh, yeah, nice north of here. Little plug. Yep, it's where uh, uh, close to where the Mrs. Greek grew up. Anyway, so you know we cut the tree down, and I took it home right away. So maybe it was just like a really fresh cut or whatever. You know, put it in the stand. Re- really easy process this year, putting the stand. I actually laid it on its side, put it in the stand oh, while a good I was idea. laying, and then yeah. propped it up. I barely had to move it. Um, it sucked down four gallons of water in the first 36 hours it was in the house. Wow. Does that... Okay, that seems like a lot to you. Yes. Absolutely. That's serious. This is insane. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I would have had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. Keep um, it hydrated. Keep it hydrated, baby. Um, all right, here we go. So well, hold be- on before we move on. Yeah. So you, you just told your story. Well, let me tell my story. You can come to my house any time of the year and you'd have no idea what season it is. <laughs> there are never any decorations about for any holiday. It looks like- and we won't we won't veer off into it too much, but I had something to do with pushing decorations onto you. Which one of them I think you like now, right? Which one is this? <laughs> Big blue wall. Oh, well, no, I'm not talking about that. Okay. No, no, I'm talking about like seasonal decor. I understand that. It's like you can be at my house on Christmas Day and it will look exactly the same as on July 4th. 100%. What I'm saying is I wasn't even sure you were going to put a decoration or, you know, picture up uh, anything year round, like just blank walls. No, I've I've hung a few things, very few, but I have a few decorations. You are a, a minim, minimalist to the T. I, you know, I need to just pay someone. Like here, just here, give me some do money. Something. Just do something. Do something with yeah. it. That's what a lot of people do. Um, all right, so lot of housekeeping items, and then we'll we'll go briefly over. We got all the award winners. Um, for oh, the okay. Big Ten. Um, I'll just kind of read them off quickly. There's only a couple of them that I even think are. They all seemed pretty obvious to me. Most of them. There was one real surprising one to me. Okay. So we'll talk about that. Um, college football rankings came on. The yeah. penintulate, penintulate, how do you say that? Penultimate? Penultimate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michigan moved right up to where I thought they would be. Uh, you know, by the two. way, I was actually excited to watch the rankings. You Cause were? Of, yeah, because I just knew it was going to be a little bit different than normal. Just wow. like seeing a new team pop in there. I just wanted to see Michigan show up. Next thing we know, you're going to have a Christmas reef. I, I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Michigan number two. Ohio State dropped to exactly where I predicted them, number seven. Michigan State, I actually thought they were 11th, but they were moved up to 10th. Uh, Iowa, a little bit higher than I thought. I thought they'd be 14th or 13th. And then that's it. 
and uh, Minnesota, I thought, had a chance. I, I thought Minnesota would be 24th and Wisconsin 25th. Uh, my guess is if they were the Minnesota Razorbacks and the Wisconsin Tigers, they would be. Uh, but I both noticed- teams at 8-4, and four, uh, even with what my thought process was, both 8-4, and four, they both have defenses in the top 10, like pretty darn good offenses. To me, it's enough to get ranked, but of course they get the shaft. And of course, there were two SEC teams with four losses that were ranked. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's BS. That's my thought process. What is BS? Anyways, a um, couple things. Other is uh, obviously we broke down the game, Michigan, Ohio State. But one thing I just thought would be kind of interesting to talk about is just, I mean, Michigan fans were really feeling their oats this week, right? And, and, and the Michigan coaches to a certain degree on Twitter. My point is, is if you put yourself in the position of a, we'll say a roughly 26-year-old Michigan fan, okay? So a Michigan fan that's been a, a fan of Michigan football since he's 10, 12 years old, okay. whatever. This is only the second win he really has experienced in his lifetime. And with, you know, and again, let's say he's 26. Second, second win against Ohio State. Ohio State, State. yeah. yeah that's, that, um point I'm trying to make is they've gotten so conditioned to just think they're going to lose the game. Of course. It's like a very new experience to them. Well, of course it is. I mean, imagine being an Illinois fan and being that age or even older. Right. But that would, I mean, but if Illinois went eight and four, I don't, anyways, but uh, anyways, I just found it interesting. Like there was no break in the action before the game between Ohio state and Michigan fans afterwards it's been interesting to see suddenly my feed which typically is much higher percentage ohio state fan was michigan fans i felt like the coaches kind of were feeling themselves a little bit too um i don't know if you saw the khaki pants comment where he said you know some people think they're born on uh uh third base and think they hit a triple which was directed 100 percent at uh uh ryan day i mean what'd you think of that i thought that was incredible Wow, that's quite a statement there. I mean, I guess he, I guess technically he kind of was born on third, but at the same time, I know he was the chosen one before he was the head coach. So he he earned that Correct. at some point. So yeah, I mean, it's like I always say about Paul Chris, same thing. Like he just took over something that was a juggernaut already and right. just kept it going. Correct. So there's a different thing between building something and just taking it over. So I, I don't know. I guess like I mean I'm, it wasn't I'm straddling like, the fence here. I guess. Okay. I mean it wasn't like Jim Harbaugh took over the Rucker Scarlet. Good Knight. point. That's what he took over but either. It's, but but it's quite a shot across the bow, isn't it? Well, but there has been there's been a lot of shots across a lot of bows between Ryan Day and Harbaugh. the The rumor is, you know, like Ryan Day had been walking around telling anybody that would listen, we're gonna hang a hundred on Michigan this year because he was so mad about felt that they skipped him the year before, okay. you know, and then a lot of that obviously has gotten back to the Michigan staff and Harbaugh. And so they, so they come at it. And then uh, offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, here is his quote. He got interviewed on uh, a radio show of some site. I don't know which, which one, but he was asked about the game, obviously. And he said it was huge started fast and setting the tone for the game and really creating identity for the game that we were going to dominate on both fronts, not just offensive line, but defensive line as well. Just being able to smash them however we could and really set the tone. They're a good team. They're a good team. 
They're a finesse team. They're not a tough team. And we knew that going into the game, we can out-physical them and we can out-tough them. And that was going to be the key to the game. And that's what we prepared to do all week. We saw what they, what Oregon did to them, yada, yada, yada. Um, anyways, I'm not, not going to disagree with them. That's what happened. So I even saw some Ohio State fans say, you can be as pissed as you want, but what he said is is actually what happened. I guarantee you, Ryan Day is going back to the drawing board and saying, we got to get tougher. So that's what's interesting. And we got to get more physical. We got to get more physical, which then brings me back to if you, you know, I gave you the example of a 25-year-old Michigan fan, 26-year-old Michigan fan. Now picture being a 26-year-old Ohio State fan. Like, basically one year in your grown-up fandom existence that anything like it's been a tough week on Ohio State fans I know I know nobody's going to feel sorry for him I'm just saying to me it's been interesting watch it unfold on Twitter uh, yeah and there's a lot of people calling for Ryan Day and saying you know they need to move on which is just ridiculous come on it's absolutely common and like and some people I really respect saying what a disappointment of a year okay I know you of course you want to beat Michigan but it's not like you went Eight and four, or six, six and six. I mean, or... eight and four. Eight and four is preposterous to them, right? But you, you, yeah. you still went ten and two. That's not a come on. That's not a terrible year. It's like I, it's I, below what you expect. Correct. But it's but you have to have some sense of history of the sport of football. Okay, history of of Ohio State football as well. Ten wins or more is always going to be considered a darn good year yeah. for anybody. It is certainly a dip down for Ohio State. We're not saying that it's not, but you have to understand over the ebbs and flows of a 10-year period, there might be a year or even right. two where you don't win 12 games. Yeah. And and sometimes it's just pure chance. It wasn't chance this year, but no. sometimes by chance you just things don't go your way. You get a couple of bad calls, you have some injuries. It just you can't ever expect 12 and 0 every year. You can expect it. It's fine. Going where you're going to be disappointed. But every now and then, you have to prepare yourself a little bit for gasp. A, 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 and by the way, they could still wind up 11 and 2. Right. I just can't imagine. <laughs> I just can't understand the, you know, the walls are crumbling around us type of attitude that I see from a lot of Ohio State fans. We might be, as Illinois and Iowa fans, a little bit more seeped into the reality of what most college football fans I know feel reality, like. baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, I feel like we got a lot of stuff that has come out of Minnesota. Uh, PJ Fleck let offensive coordinator Mike Sanford Jr. go. Not all that surprising. Not a surprising. Really disappointing season. Disappointing for them offensively. Offensively. Think about it. We we were kind of expecting Minnesota's offense to be one of the best ones in the Big Ten. Sure, they ran the ball, but overall they weren't one of the better ones. We, we thought it was going to be like Ohio State, Minnesota, the two best offenses. Fantastic point. Um, something I found it was interesting is I saw P.J. Fleck get interviewed when he was coming off the field after uh, playing Wisconsin, and he complimented his defensive coordinator, but not his offensive Ooh. coordinator. And I, I remember noticing that when I heard it, and then you heard the news like 48 hours later. Um, could Kirk Shiroka come back? I mean, he's available, right? Because we could get the whole band back together. Kirk Shiroka, Tanner Morgan has announced he's coming back right. for his 12th senior year <laughs> right. at the University of Minnesota. Mo Ibrahim is coming back. That was also right. announced somewhat. I mean, okay, Crab but- could come back. I mean, I, I don't know about the offensive line, but I'm just saying a lot of the pieces from 2019 could be back in place. Do you think PJ feels jilted by 
Kirk and would he have to like, you know, kiss the bald head of, of PJ Fleck to, <laughs> you know, as penance before he accepted Maybe. him back? Probably not. I mean, I think nah, you're, I think you're PJ, never going PJ to fault. Fun. Yeah, you're never going to fault a guy for thinking he's taking a bigger. But shot then, what like about that. Matt Simon too? I think it's someone to consider. Yeah, absolutely. The, the co-host he did such a great job in that Auburn game. Yep, could happen. I was, I was just, I was shocked that that wasn't the move. I, I, I was, I, I mean, I, I thought there was a couple different options out there. Honestly, right now, I'm just surprised we haven't heard it announced yet. I kind of thought there was already a deal in place. You know, once the season was over, type of deal. They got a bowl game coming up, so you would think they would want somebody in place by then. Uh, not everybody's staying in Minnesota. Zach Anikstead, backup quarterback. You know, typically backup players we're not going to talk about a lot. Maybe it's because it's local, but that is a backup quarterback that me and you have seen perform in person in scrimmages. We're very impressed by his arm and just overall swag. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands, especially if he winds up landing in the Big Ten. Yeah, that dude's got a howitzer, man. Just seeing him in person... I was just in awe, and, and he's accurate too. It's not like he's just throwing it all over the place. And he was—he's tall. He's a good leader. I when we watched him, I'm like, "That's your starting quarterback." And I, he had a lot of experience playing quarterback in 2018. Correct. He did get a lot, and that before he got injured. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's by the way, Jacob Clark also transferred out of the quarterback room at Minnesota, and he was a bigger recruit. He was like right at edge of four star type of recruit out of Texas, so see where he goes. We and and what be- you wonder is, are they transferring out because Tanner Morgan announced that he is coming back? That is the assumption. We can't know that for sure, but you would think it would play into the decision for those guys. Yeah, and I don't know about Clark, but Annex, that's got to be a grad transfer, so he'll play right away. You would think so. Um, speaking of players, maybe not sticking around so much, quite a few higher-ranked recruits have left Maryland kind of all – within like yeah. a day or two. I don't know if you want to. Sure. I mean, it's, so with, I think it was back to back days. These guys are two linebackers from the class of 21. So it's four star, four star linebacker, Brandon Jennings from Jacksonville, Florida. He was the number one, one Oh eight overall recruit in the 21 class. Okay. He did get injured. He was starting, then got injured. He's transferring within a day of that. In fact, I think it was the previous day, five star linebacker Terrence Lewis who had tore his ACL he didn't play at all this year but he was the number one ranked linebacker in the class of 21 from Miami Central High School so two blue chip right linebackers from Florida both exiting the program within two days and that's a guy that we talked about in the preseason that we thought would go right into the lineup right and and be a big contributor they both played a little bit but not much and now they're gone well Brandon Jennings did play Terrence Lewis i Pretty sure that was a camp thing. Yeah, okay. that was a camp thing. He didn't play at all this year. Okay, all right. but the four star guy, he was playing. Right, he basically was playing early and playing well. And then got injured, and now they're both gone. Yeah, but uh, and I don't know. I have I have no. Is it a is it a locks thing or is it the type of guys locks is recruiting? Well, thing? Uh, he, I'm he's a star chaser. Yeah, he's not necessarily a uh, you know a character developer. There you go. There you go. I don't character developer. But then also you're going to Maryland from Florida. That's always has a lower probability of working out as if as opposed to someone from that area. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, another one. Interesting. Jalen Berger, who portaled out of Wisconsin quite some time ago, has portaled back into the Big Ten. He's going to go play with Mel Tucker in Sparty Land. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. He's a solid. He looks like a solid yep. back. He doesn't look like anything more than a solid back to me. 
Yeah. What what did you think? It, over I mean I think maybe I like him a touch more than you, but okay. but comparing him to the seventeen year old, seventeen year old better. Seventeen year old better, Kenny Skywalker better. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean there's yeah. no doubt about that. Okay, did but, you see that Purdue quarterback Jack Plummer TP'd? TP'd? Yeah, he's TPing. Yeah, so there's another big name right there. Um, and then I, I, Jack Miller, Ohio state quarterback also. Oh, that's a good one. I, DP I, in as I well. forgot that one, by the way, which by the way, also not surprising at all. No, there's roughly 28 stars worth of quarterbacks in the Ohio state room. They just can't all fit in there. Right. Um, also going to Bloomington, Indiana, Nick Sheridan, offensive coordinator got sacked yep. by Tommy Allen and yep. Tommy Allen. This is interesting to me. Took a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Yeah, that's right. We okay. only alluded to that on the last podcast. Right, right. We didn't talk, right. About, we it. Didn't talk about it. So, boy, that makes me think the two hundred thousand dollar pay cut because he's not going to take a pay cut voluntary. He's not going to say, "Oh, I did a bad job. Pay me less money." So, what what went on there? He knows he needs a new OC. He's negotiating with the AD. Okay, I can give you this much money to pay for it. Well, what if I take 200K Bingo. And, and you can give me that towards that? That's what happened, right? Right. Okay. I'm just making sure we're on the I, same I would think there. I essentially he walks in saying we need a new offensive coordinator and this is how much we're going to need to uh, uh, pay for him. And the uh, athletic department said, great. We agree. We approve. It's coming out of your salary. If yeah. you want him that bad, otherwise work with the budget that you got, you know. Some of the things that you don't run into as much in the SEC and some of these other coaching changes that we'll have because they just open up the playbook and, t- and just say how much you need. And then Tommy gets to go out and say, look at me. I'm taking a pay cut because I didn't do a good job. Yeah, yeah. That's probably something to it. A little that's, bit. I mean, that's kind of the way it, it read to me when I read the statement. Yeah, well, um, first and, and another thing you can say is, look, look at me. I'm trying to do something different than what we did offensively last year. Yeah, as well. well I mean, so, you, you, you better be saying that for sure. Um, another, another one of the coaching chains that hits real close to to home as far as Big Ten is concerned. Brent Pry, so Penn State yeah. defensive coordinator Brent Pry, accepting the position to be the head coach at Virginia Tech. Um, hmm, it seems like a little bit of a jump. To okay, me. so here is my thought process. I believe that has the potential to hurt Penn State more than help Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's going to hurt Penn State. So, um, I mean, and, and that is a compliment to Brent Pry. Yes. And the defenses he's rolled out for Penn State for years upon years. I yeah. mean, we have said we said a lot of complimentary things on Brent Pry on this podcast. Now, that doesn't make I, – I don't think that Penn State's cupboards are, are bare – with the talent that they have defensively and who who they can attract yeah. as a defensive coordinator to get, they're going to get an awesome defensive coordinator. And I'm just saying it's it would make me a little bit uneasy if I well, was yeah, a Penn State fan. I wouldn't say they're gonna get an awesome defensive coordinator. It could go wrong. You know could. it's gonna go right with Pry. I think Pry had like a kind of an an average defense his first year, and ever, ever since then it's just Took been off. elite. Yeah. Um so I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the head coaching job. I am willing to bet that Brent Pry was not at the top of their list when Virginia Tech got out into the market yeah. to start looking I mean, for I would, a coach to replace Fuente. I would think so, and I would I, maybe that's because Virginia Tech has lost some luster over the last ten or so years, which makes me sad. It's it's. Uh, I loved it when they were humming, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. Always liked. Them. I mean, all the way back to the Vic days. Vic days is when it started for me. Loved it. Yep. Actually, the first one I remember watching. Oh, this is apropos. 
was after the 93 season, Indiana played them in a bowl game. Oh, okay. I don't remember what bowl that was. Gotcha. But a buddy of mine played for Indiana, so I remember watching that game and thinking, oh, I kind of like this Virginia Tech. Gotcha. Whoever these guys are, these Hokies. There, there's always been a a like a, a sister city type of feel that Iowa fans have had with Virginia Tech because when they were winning a lot of games, it was mostly based off of defense and special teams, sure. which obviously yeah, that's fits good point. in pretty well. Um, and then some other rumors that have not come to fruition Greg Schiano's name I've seen thrown out with some of these openings, namely Notre Dame. That's one of them that I've seen the most. I, I, I think that would be a great fit. Dude, it would be a great fit. That would make me nervous if I was a Rutgers fan. I mean, could you sure. not see it? No, he I would, could absolutely see that. And Notre Dame fans would be lucky if that's who they want to getting at this point in my mind. Now, he's a little bit older, so Notre Dame would be signing up for something that they would assume is like, a five, six year deal. Sure. And then, you know, probably a replacement, but and uh, the longer some of these openings stay, stay open. Um, I would think Rutgers fans are a little nervous. Yeah. I would think Rutgers fans are nervous. I'm just thinking about the Notre Dame fan, the, the arrogant casual college football fan Rutgers. We can't hire a, Head yeah. coach from Rutgers. Yeah, well, we'll get to the uh, Notre Dame arrogance taking a shot here in just a little bit. And another one I saw, it was up on Twitter and down in about a day, but Ryan Day getting rumored yeah. to some of the Notre Dame or to some of the NFL. Also something I can see. It's I not hard for too. me to see Ryan Day doing that. I, I hope he does not, to be completely honest with you. I feel like we just rekindled. What could yes. be an awesome rivalry between khaki pants and Ryan Day. I would love to see this play out for two, three more years. With that being said, Ryan Day to an NFL team, namely the Bears, where he could get teamed back up with Justin Fields is also something you're hearing. Okay, so one of my best friends is a Bears fan. He's an NFL fan in general, not nearly as much college fan. And he is, I swear, he's more interested in the coaching aspect, coaching changes, hires, uh, general management, drafting. He is way more interested in that than what actually happens on yep. the field. Yep. Okay, I've got my buddy Ryan, who's a big Gopher fan. That's the same way he is with the Vikings. Yeah, I, th- I feel like the games are literally an afterthought. Yep. Although he does it's complain like, about it's it. It's like, well, we're one and two. Let's look at the draft. Right. I don't, let's not win any more games. And, I want to see what we can get. You know, it's that damn GM of ours. If we just had the GM that I want. So anyway, I asked him about this. That's, by the way, got a video game influence on it. Yeah, I guess because so. Matt, that's all the fun stuff in Matt right. is all of that crap sure. right there. Yeah. So anyway, asked him about it. He's like, no college coaches. I don't want a college coach. <laughs> the what I've I'm not a gigantic NFL guy either, but I follow enough to know that the Arizona Cardinals are doing pretty good with a college coach. Right. No, now. I know, and and actually he did kind of concede. Well, I guess if there was one, I would take maybe it would be Ryan, Ryan Day yeah. if I had to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't. I, the consistent play designing and play calling of Ryan Day cannot be questioned. No. I just really and, can't. And he gets to reunite with Justin Fields. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, not something I want to see, but if it happened, it would be interesting. Of course, all of the a lot of the changes in coaching and the coaching carousel, as they say, that's happened came from the gigantic bomb that got dropped. Right after essentially Thanksgiving weekend, which was Lincoln Riley out of nowhere, seemingly now leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Now, the rumor was that he was going to the vacant LSU coaching job and so much so that he got asked in the press conference right after Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. 
are you go? You know, and he said, "Well, I'm gonna stop it right there. I'm not going to LSU." Sure. So technically speaking, he told the truth. Well, he was stopping right there, so they wouldn't ask the next question. Are you, are you going to USC? Nobody knew USC. USC at okay, that point. Okay. Right. Okay. So now, what? Here, here's what's crazy. And then, of course, the next one, which just kind of plays. Well, but they into knew it. the job was open. Of course, they knew USC. They knew USC was open, but the only one that he was getting rumored no, get hard it. for was LSU. Okay, so he he stopped what was the sure, only known rumor at the time, which was, okay. was yeah. But I feel like a a logical follow up question of that. Well, there's other openings that are pretty okay. big. I see what you're saying. USC there. is open, but so he stopped him right there, which is pretty professional. Stop you right that. there. Yeah. Um, from if we are to believe what Lincoln Riley said. They asked him about it, and he said all of the deals in place, the agreement that they came into, all came about that Sunday and was in place okay. by later that day when he was hired. That's hmm. what that's what he said. Okay. Which, I don't know. I mean, have you seen you've seen the deal? Oh, I right? know. I've seen the deals. They're, they're, they're buying was, his I, they're buying his houses in and around Norman. It they're seems buying, like a lot of moving parts, a lot of negotiation to take place in one day. Just like especially a Sunday. I, I feel like me and you know enough about the business world to know to to say that things just don't ever happen that quickly. So it's hard for me to fathom, you know, multi-year, multi-multi-million sure. dollar deals getting put into place that quick. <clears throat> and then and then Brian Kelly almost as, as abruptly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. So I'm gonna take a bit of a contrarian point of view here, or at least from what it seems like off of Twitter and even some podcasts I've listened to. I don't know what the fan bases expect out of these coaches that, that they're going to personally go around and ask every player and their families, Hey, I'm considering taking this USC well, And by job. the way, the, the, the financial aspect of Lincoln Riley to USC, a fool would have only passed that okay. up. Like, I mean, that was going to be my next point is just picture picture it yourself. You know, like I don't, I'm just using general terms here, but let's say you make $25 an hour. You know, if somebody says we're going to pay you $80 an hour right. to do Almost the exact same thing, but maybe at a better company. Okay. Who does it? And, and if they said, but here's the catch. You can't tell anybody, we need you to quit your job on Tuesday and start it on Wednesday. You're like, you, you would you would see, you know, rubber marks in the, in the parking you, lot for most people leaving their job to go. So I just don't feel like people are doing a good enough job of putting themselves in the shoes of Lincoln Riley and some of these other coaches. How many people listen to this are saying to themselves... Yeah, but all my coworkers like me so much. I just feel like I'm betraying them. Exactly zero of them. <laughs> Those coworkers are dead to you the second you get that pay raise to go work at. What I mean, and then the other thing too that, that I found interesting is that a lot of people are shatting down Lincoln Riley's throat, saying he's scared to go to the SEC. Right? Yeah. Can I can I just make this statement like? And, and I tried to make this. I, I got pulled into one of one of the uh, uh, Twitter live things the other evening. And um, my point that I was trying to make was, okay, Alabama, talking about the new SEC, okay? Mm -hmm. Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Georgia, mm -hmm. Florida. Heck, even throw in Texas A&M and Tennessee. 
all of those kooky SEC fan bases think they're winning a national championship in the next do. three years. Of course they do. Almost none of them will do that. In fact, a good chunk, a third of the teams that I just named are going to be shitty. Correct. Like That's there's right. a better chance that your team will be mediocre or shitty no than doubt. the 10-win plateau Correct. that we just talked about and even thinking about the national championship. Right. Now, I will say... Little Nicky is going to retire at some point, and that's going to create a you know a vacuum. void, yeah. a vacuum. Thank you. So I understand that's that's coming somewhat soon. With that being said, the mathematics just don't allow for all of these programs to right. be elite at the same time when you're all in the same conference. Would you blame Lincoln Riley if he felt the move from from the Big Twelve to the SEC? was not what he wanted. No, I wouldn't blame him. In fact, you go to USC, and if USC is right, I, they that's an automatic bid to the playoff every year. Okay, thank you. Like I mean, they, they basically, in the Pac-12, it's basically USC, them and, and Oregon. And, Oregon. And if you, Washington raises up, you know, you, you could see again, Washington you could raising up. You don't want to catch Utah on a bad day, but those are sure. good teams and when they're up and running. Yeah, not saying there's Washington's no good teams. Washington's horrible this year, but like... It's just not going to be as comparable as what that ridiculous new SEC is going to be. Yeah. And, and I think there's a chance that Oklahoma and Texas going to SEC will hugely damage those football programs. Yeah, I think Texas so. can't beat Kansas right now. No. And now you're going to put them into that? I, I don't but know, But that's man. such a Texas decision, isn't it? It is, and they deserve everything so, they get. And if there's any Nebraska fans listening right now, they will, you know, break their neck, nodding their heads. But. So of course, the OU fan base was just melting down. Right? They're still melting down. Okay, but the best tweet I saw of all of it was, "Okay, now I can stop pretending like that brisket wasn't trash." Now that was <laughs> that was hilarious. That was fantastic. Um, but I mean, I have heard and seen Oklahoma fans. Now saying that Lincoln Riley was trash, like man, you never heard us say that he was a top five coach in a. I'm oh, like, boy, you really like? I heard one today where an Oklahoma fan said, "I don't even think he's the best football coach in California." Talking about Chip Kelly. Wow, I, I mean, that's a bold statement right there. That you know what that is? That's a butthurt statement right there. Don't get me wrong; I would be butthurt if I was an Oklahoma fan. As well. Maybe he was referring to Justin Wilcox. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, by the way. Could have been David Shaw. Wine and cheese Notre Dame fans. Their, their old fuddy-duddy coach getting ripped away from them for for, for those those savages down in Baton Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, so is, when, is, is at least talking about upper echelon programs, okay? Yeah. Is there more polar opposite programs that you can have for Notre no, Dame and LSU? No, no, not really. Uh-uh. As far as I can't they... think of any. Um, that is – well, I mean, so it brings me to my point that I was going to say is I just – I like Brian Kelly. I think he's a great coach. I don't know that that's a good fit. Like, he he's an, he's not a likable guy, I guess. You know, everything that we hear is you know, people he works with, he administration. Yeah. So they don't like him mostly. So – can you imagine going to LSU and even the first season, let's say going seven and five, the amount of pressure that's going to oh mount on that guy? I mean, I Cyclone Larry put it out there two and a half years for the over under he lasts. 
I that's about right. I, I mean, think. if he goes, but, if he I mean, goes, and I'm not saying he's not going to succeed. I could see him succeed, but he has to get out of the gate quick. I think. No doubt about it. Absolutely yeah. no doubt about it. I I this is from ESPN stats and information. Over the past 30 years, there have been 12 instances of a coach winning at least 11 games in his final season at the helm of a Power Five school. Of those 12, okay, five left for the NFL. Five either retired or resigned due to violations. Okay. Two took a job at different college football programs. In both cases, it was Brian Kelly. Wow. One to go to to leave Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame and one to leave Notre Dame to go to, go to LSU. Wow. Brian Kelly leaves on Brian Kelly's terms. That's interesting. Brian Kelly was my cousin's college head coach. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Grand Valley State University. Sure. His Won a couple first... national titles there, right? Oh, yeah. His first uh, head um, coaching gig. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing. Look at where Brian Kelly has went. He has killed it everywhere, everywhere. he's gone. I know. That's okay. why I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to succeed. No. So my thought, this, this is going to be the the simplest way I can say this. I mean, this, this, this should go without saying. I'm just letting people consider it. It's crazy that Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame, right? But if he wins a national championship at LSU, it was worth it. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy that Lincoln Riley has left Oklahoma. But if he builds USC into a monster, it was worth it. You have to at least sit and pause and think to yourself, yeah, but what happens if these guys have success? Well, yeah, I mean, and these are confident guys. That's what head coaches are. They think they're going to succeed. Absolutely, they do. And, I mean, you've got to think Brian Kelly's thought process is the the – restrictions that are put on any coach. Oh my gosh. She's going to be in okay. hog heaven when it comes to recruiting. Okay. Okay. It, like, really? But, it's this easy, but it, or is it something that's going to be foreign to him? Like we, we, we have this many bag men. I thought we had some bag men, not <laughs> oh, this many bag. Men. Now, wait a second. There has to be some entrance requirements. <laughs> no coach. Get him in. You want him? I mean, that's, it's going to be insane. <laughs> of course. Um, and I, I don't know if we completely talk through, we don't have to talk much more on it, but like, it's as far as these coaches leaving their team, okay, and going to the new one. My general thought process is don't hate the player, hate the game. If there was some sort of restriction like date where teams couldn't change their coach until February 15th, then you wouldn't see any of this. Now then you would have recruits essentially getting screwed. Because now recruits have the chance yeah. to decommit, which is which happening is, a lot oh, in Oklahoma. Mercy. Oh. Following Lincoln Riley. Number to, two quarterback in the country. Yeah. By the way, in, have no. you seen how many of them are from California? I which know. Which makes what, you conspiracy theory think that quarterback he was. has known about it for yeah. some time. Right. Um, but uh, anyways, so you got the recruiting aspect, all of that. The point I'm trying to make is even if Lincoln Riley knew before Bedlam, right, that he was going to USC. Mm-hmm. You don't tell your team because that is a distraction. You can't tell your team. So then your your actual the best thing you can do for your football players is to not tell them what's going on because they want to win. And if they would have won that game, they would have gone on to the Big 12 championship. My guess is he wouldn't have said anything during no. that thought process as well. Now, again, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because he said none of these conversations happened until after Oklahoma, Oklahoma state was, was done. I just have a hard time believing that. No, the conversations were happening. I would think so. With that being said, that is the best thing you can do. 
and then it it it's it's you rip the bandaid off. It just gets ripped off. You you don't. No other way to do it. There is no other way to do it. It's 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 and just by the how way, it is. I I don't feel. I mean, I never felt really that bad for the players. You should be committing to a program, not to a coach. You should be committing to a school. But now they got nil. It's hard to feel that bad for any of these guys. That is a fantastic point. And I feel like if you put that out on Twitter, you'll be vilified oh, yeah. for it. I'm sure I will be anyway. I mean, it's just it's, and I'm an ex. And athlete. by the way, like I feel the same way you do. Like, and we call them kids. They're not kids. They're young adults. Yeah. Like, yeah. They can take it's a good point. It. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, and then as far as Notre Dame being open, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, uh, um, uh, Luke Fickle, ex-Ohio State player, that seems to make – I mean, I would think Luke Fickle would be Notre Dame's number one, two, and three choice. Right now they could back up the Brinks truck, as they say, and get him into Notre it's Dame. It's going to be fun to watch the pieces fall into place. Yeah. I yeah. do love the chaos. Yeah. This and is- then another piece that could come out of this. I am sorry. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. If you pull that out of your yeah, butt, I can't I'll think of it. it. A lot of Ohio State fans want to see him portal up to the horseshoe. Oh, okay. To be their new defensive coordinator. Interesting. Which would be an incredible get for Ohio State if they can hmm. get him. Yeah. So there you go. That's a lot of interesting stuff. It I, is. I mean, it's going to be it, fun. It few timed weeks. out well. For us to only have one game to talk about with all this that's true, yeah. Down, so well, yeah. I mean, that's I guess how it works out. Like the season ends, regular season ends, all these decisions are made, and there's only one more game. That's right. That one game is on Saturday, December fourth, which I think we'll just go ahead and call the Big Ten game of the week. You didn't consult me. No, I did not. The Big Ten Championship in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. The 11 and one number two ranked Michigan Wolverines playing the uh, 10 and two wearing the home jerseys number 13 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a seven o'clock p.m. game on Fox line Wolverines by 11 over under 43.5. So Vegas is saying somewhere around a 28 to 17 Wolverine victory. The weather will be something like 65 degrees and balmy inside the stadium. 72 percent of the money. Is on the Wolverines. Ooh, yeah. Well, that went from a ten and a half to eleven. So interesting. Yeah. Um. So first thing I want to say, it's official. I will be there. Yes. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that out loud. I don't want to jinx myself. But as of right now, tickets are purchased. Hotels have been pre-booked already. I know who I'm. I'm. I'm sitting with Doug the Carthaginian and my buddy Zed Man. So shout out to those guys. It'll you know, be a blast. In a different life, I would have gone with you. Yeah. I just don't want the hassle. I understand. I don't want to travel. I understand. But it would be a great game to be at. I mean, I have been thinking about it all week long. Um, part of the reason I'm thinking about it is that I was not able to go in 2015, the last time Iowa okay. played a Michigan team in the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. Uh, so funny story. That was. I think I knew you then. I would have oh, yeah. known you then. Yeah. Uh, but we weren't hanging out on the regular, maybe quite so much. Otherwise, we would have watched the game together. Because um, that's the, is that the year? Sorry to bring it up, but they oh they played Stanford in the Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we watched that game. Together. Rose Bowl together. Yeah. Uh, so funny thing that happened. The reason I didn't go is because Mrs. Greek, my wife, was literally eight and three quarters months pregnant okay. at the time. So obviously could not go. 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, I hope she doesn't go into labor this week. Sure. <laughs> because I want to watch the Big Ten of Championship. And, of course, I think I said that to her, and it probably annoyed and pissed, pissed her off because, you know, I shared too much. Uh, our our mutual friend, Patrick, so he was over for the game. One of Mrs. Greek's friends was over for the game. Okay. We just sat down on our couches to get going. Patrick had the idea to do a little water bottle and he put it so it gave it to my wife she put it between her own legs and squeezed the water bottle and goes and made me think that her water broke oh my gosh and i fell for it hook line and sinker and right when i looked over i looked at patrick and i gave him a look like you gotta be kidding me So I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, we stood up and oh, every, everybody man. was in on the joke except for me. That's it was a great. Good time. It was a good time. Yeah, that is good. All right, man. So what I thought we would do, since we only have uh, two teams to break down here, let's reset the season oh, yeah. for both of these teams. Good idea. I'll take a couple pauses here when we're going through it, but we'll start out with the what is considered the home team, which, by the way, there's nothing interesting about it. They just rotate between East and West every other year. Yeah, but Who gets I've, the home home uniforms? This will be a good uniform game yes. with Iowa in their home black, and then I'm assuming that Michigan will wear the blue. That's what Jordan is saying. So Jordan and I think that same thing. I think it'll be black black top, gold bottom for Iowa, white top, blue britches for Michigan. If so, that'll be cool. Yeah, because I, w- I wouldn't wouldn't be nearly as good, by the way, with two yellow two, britches. I, so I got to think. I got to think the marketing departments are on top of that, right? Well, and they've had some pretty good luck in those blue britches. Blue britches. Year. All right. So we'll start with Iowa, the home team. Um, so the first thing I guess I would point out is – I don't know if you remember all the way back in August, but Iowa started the season playing a ranked Indiana team yep. and Iowa State team yep. on the road. Yeah. I heard approximately 88% of podcast people saying, you know, Iowa would be lucky not to be start the year 0-2. Sure. Boy, you know, Iowa, I could see them starting the year 0-2. What did Iowa start the year? 2-0, and beating the brakes off of both Indiana and Iowa State by an average score of 31-10. to Seems to be forgotten at this point how well those teams were thought of at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I realize that Indiana's season didn't turn out the way it they wanted it to. The defense didn't turn out the way they wanted to, but that was a different defense at the beginning of the year. So they still played a pretty good defense. And then ISU, great defense. Right. Yep. Uh, then four in a row after that destroyed Maryland and outlasted a ranked Penn State when both teams were ranked in the top five. They moved all the way up to number two, probably got a little bit too much love from people when they were ranked number two. And then what happened? Two losses in a row to Purdue, the shocker at home versus Purdue, and then on the road to Wisconsin. Then they probably got a little too much hate after after losing those two games and then ripped off four wins in a row to finish with two of those being trophy games. A road game, two road games in there as well. Minnesota pulls off the upset and sends ten and two, Iowa to Indianapolis. Couple oddities that I thought was interesting: they lose the game going into the idle week, lose the game coming out of the idle mm. week, but win the six games before that and the four games. Oh, after that's crazy! That. Tell me that if that's ever happened. Before. Wow, I just think that's interesting. Um, 
not as far as oddities as, as I was concerned, but oddities as far as college football is concerned. The continued ability to come up with big plays and special teams and defense when you don't have the offense there, you just don't see that very often. One little nugget here, pretty interesting, okay? Every fifth-year senior on Iowa's roster has beaten every team in the Big Ten except... Except for Michigan? Correct. No kidding. How interesting is that? That that uh, um, little nugget from Gary Corner, which is Jack Corner, starting safety Jack Corner's dad. So the, 2016 is when they beat Ohio State? 17. Seven, 17. Okay, yeah. 17. Yeah. Wow, that's okay. Fifth-year senior. Yeah. So probably okay. guys that didn't contribute a whole bunch. Sure. But they were part of the football right. team that beat beat them. Um, so here's something I also want to add to is, you know, what I've learned doing this pod is that every single fan base feels slighted. Every single one of them. Even Alabama and Ohio State fans feel slighted, right? Iowa's no different. And I, I, okay, I understand that there's no ranked wins on Iowa's schedule right now, okay? Um, I could throw out and say that there would be no ranked wins on Alabama's schedule if Alabama's schedule was viewed you know, Big Ten or SEC teams were viewed like Big Ten teams, right? They they get yeah okay. Yep. The, the wins have been the ranked wins have been scattered out in college football. Can I also say this too? If Iowa State beat Iowa, do you think there's a better chance that they would have had a better year and maybe even would be ranked right now? Mm, that's a good point. If I- Penn State beat Iowa, do you think there's a chance that Penn State? winds up having a better year a point. and p- could potentially be ranked right now. Do you think, Kurt, that there is a chance that Iowa beating those teams is the reason why they're not ranked? I, I, mean, I, f- I feel like that should come into play a little It's bit. part of it because it's one win or one loss for all those teams. Now, what strikes me is just how many good defenses they played this year. For because, sure. Because, again, Indiana was a different team at the start of the year, especially defensively. Iowa State, you, you have Penn State. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota, Nebraska, and and now Michigan. And by the way, Illinois was no slouch by the end of the year, too. Iowa's offense has run and hid from nobody this year by the time they get to Indianapolis to play this Michigan defense. So they'll they'll at least have some experience going up against a good D. Right. It's not like it's going to be the best one they've seen. I would say that's Wisconsin. I would. This one might be the most dynamic or dangerous but we'll talk on them yeah. just a little bit. But anyways, long story short, you're not going to get any apologies from this Hawkeye fan as far as winning these games. And I'm going to try to flip this on its ear for a little bit. Everybody talks about how the Iowa coaches, you know, can't get anything out of the offense and how embarrassing it is. Okay. Nobody is going to argue that with anybody on the Iowa offense. The Iowa offense has been really subpar all year long. Okay. Sure. Can I, Try to flip this on its ear just a second. Shouldn't Kirk Ferentz and the staff get credit for winning 10 games with <laughs> yeah, that offense? I think that should, yes, I, I, I think that's fair. Okay, like, if you kind of know two, three year, games into the year that your offense is struggling, why? Musical chairs at offensive line all year long. There's been injuries, there's been new guys in, guys left on the offseason, it's been... If you know that that's the type of offense you're, you're going to have... You then say, where can we squeeze success out of every other parts of the team? Sure. Have they not squeezed as much success out of the defense and special teams as humanly possible? That sponge is Did dry. Did that not? <laughs> I hope it's not completely dry. But I think that has played into them getting to the 10-win plateau in Indianapolis. Fair enough? You might be able to say, 
Kirk's a pretty good coach. Moving on to the away team, Michigan. First thing we we kind of talked about this off the air. They completely flipped the script this year, right? On a lot of yeah. things. They typically start ranked and finish unranked after being disappointed. This year, they start their year unranked, scream all the way up the polls. I don't think they ever took a step back once. I think I I maybe after the Michigan State game, I don't know. They just kept moving up, up, and up all the way to the number two spot with literally one football game to go. This is a Michigan team that believed in itself. They made the comments, and they have backed up the comments, except for literally one quarter of football this entire football season. And it was just like the most unlikely, from my perspective, year for this to happen. I, with the coaching changes, I had no confidence in that. It just That seemed like shuffling the chairs in the deck of the Titanic to That's me. That's what little, we thought. I, and when you think about how lowly a lot of people, if we're being honest here, a lot of what a lot of outsiders thought, they didn't want to play Ohio State, the Iowa State game at the end right. of the year for the, I mean, coronavirus stuff, whatever. They didn't play Iowa, no bowl game, none of that. I mean, they weren't going to go to a bowl game anyways because their record was so atrocious. Like, that's how low this was. Well, it, it, for these coaching changes and a couple personnel changes and developments to turn into what this is, that's incredible. I mean, he it, there, it was hot seat talk all over the place, right? Would this be his last year? And it almost it to me like, really, that's the best you could do with with this off season. Like, is he even trying anymore? He was trying. He was trying. So what did that mean? Started off the year by absolutely destroying Western, Western Michigan. Ah, it's just Western Michigan. They're in a bowl. Destroyed Washington. They're not in a bowl. Destroyed Northern Illinois. Remember, they scored on like fourteen straight possessions in that game. Northern Illinois is an eight and four yeah. team that's going to the MAC championship. Yeah, Thomas Hammock so did a great job this year. We didn't. We just thought at the time, well, Washington is down. It's two MAC teams, and I think Northern Illinois was pro- projected to finish like almost dead last, maybe dead last in right. their division. So we were. It was just. It was the continued trickeration that was happening at that time. Um, they kind of, you know, get by. Rutgers at that. This is where the little bit of the lull. So that's where I was at. thinking. Okay, this is who Michigan is. Right a little here. bit. So Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, all three wins combined average score thirty to twenty in those games. So like, well, they weren't dominating those teams. Okay, my point is the Wisconsin game is where they got my attention. Okay, but then you're like, oh, but Wisconsin's kind of down this year. It's like another one of those teams that you were saying. Yes, that's nice that Michigan did that, but is that team down? Now, Wisconsin, I do believe, is better now than they were yeah. then. But that defense was still fantastic, yeah. and Michigan had success getting 38 points yep. on that defense. So I wouldn't – now, the next thing that happens is an absolute blowout of Northwestern that pretty much anybody paying attention saw. And then the one blemish on the entire 2021 season up to this point, the loss to Michigan State. Um, crazy take here, but like – Okay, they were up on Michigan State yeah. most of the game. They were up by 16 points in the third quarter. That was, by most people watching the game, would call it an inexplicable loss. How it worked out, is that fair? Sure. Okay. Yeah. How about this? This, I mean, maybe you'll slap me, but the college football playoff committee all season long essentially was saying Michigan's better than Michigan State. 
They kind of wound up being correct. Well, they were correct. But to me, this is another kind of turning point in their season. They lost the game. But would they have had as much motivation to to keep going if they had? Like, so you're I feel saying like it that, was a gift from the football gods. I think it was. It was like a, a little bit of a fire under their ass. Wow. It was a little bit of fuel that. for what's happening right now. You know what? I'm uh, I'm doing some sort of like Facebook Live or something with Ant Wright and his lemmings on Thursday night. <laughs> so I will ask him that question. That is an interesting okay. question. Yeah. So and I what I have here is that that could have been that could have cratered them a little bit. It could the have bounce yeah. back was impressive. Twenty nine to seven. Versus Indiana, 21-17 versus a tough Penn State team. Destroy Maryland, 59-18. to They build the momentum back up. They take that momentum, and they get what you could probably consider the biggest monkey off of the biggest back in all of college football with Michigan finally beating Ohio no, State. In all of college football, yeah. I mean, Auburn has snuck up and beat no, Alabama I know, I know. I'm a couple about times. It, but yeah, like you can't, as far as like a historic big rivalry, like there's other teams that have dominated other teams, but they're just not that big of a rivalry. This has been extremely unique to the series here and just college football in general. Yeah, with two teams of that big, maybe Tennessee and Alabama. Okay. No, yeah. no, just want, just wanted to throw out there. It's a good comparison. That's they've, about as close as gotten dominated. Yeah, they have absolutely gotten <laughs> yeah. dominated. And Tennessee's got a rich history. So, but Tennessee's yeah. not the program anymore that Michigan is that it has been for so. the last five or six years yeah. or whatever. Right. All right. That was kind of fun. A little, little yeah. trip down memory lane, right? All right. Should we go to the game? Yeah. Let's move on to the game, man. All right, man. What do you, you started? Okay. Off. My biggest question, my biggest, you know, I think I know what you're going to say. Biggest concern about who I'm going to pick and what, what the score is going to be and overs and unders is Spencer Petrus. Is he starting the game? Oh, okay. So and I was going to, I thought you were going to say, is Iowa offense going to be able to move the ball? No, that's a concern of mine. But 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 baked into that but cake like, is Spencer Petras. Right. So I think it's a completely different game with the two quarterbacks, especially you've got these two great pass rushers on each edge from Michigan, right? Number one and number two sacker in the Big Ten, they combined have as many sacks as the Iowa football team. Did yep. you know that? I did. Okay. So with those guys. That, pin- would have, that stat would apply to a lot of teams. Well, I know. It's not an insult to Iowa. But with those guys pinning their ears back with Petrus back there, we saw how ineffective the tackles were all year when Petrus was in the game. And that there was a noticeable improvement when you had someone like Padilla that could move in the pocket. So is Petrus going to start? I don't have very much confidence in Iowa if he does. Is Padilla going to start? Much more confidence. They're going to need help. He can't. He's not going to do it. That's not going to win the game. But I think they got much more of a shot. That's it, the Illinois fan saying that right there. There's well, really there's nothing I disagree with. The only thing I would add is that there is a. We, Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz and Iowa are definitely known for offensive line play, and they should be. The the amount of talent that they've developed and put in the NFL is incredible. That has led to what a lot of Iowa fans believe is a strong belief bordering on arrogance that they leave their tackles out in an island and do what they got to do. If they do that on Saturday night, Aiden Hutchinson might kill a man. Yeah, He might kill two people. And I wonder if it's not just Kirk throwing off the scent, saying that Petrus is going to... This just seems like the worst game of the season for him to start. The thought process that is permeating through Hawkeye Nation is that 
Spencer Petras did settle things down in the second half versus Nebraska, and part of what is going on—I mean, there is, was there is that the was blocking like the that was audibles thing. and his ability to okay. see, which has which led to uh, uh, Tyler Goodson breaking off some runs. I think that general command okay. of what they're looking for has led but, to but it. What, he, what Iowa fans are hoping for is that if Petras starts the game. But there are a couple packages for Padilla okay. on more of a running situation. Or, you know, if it just looks rough, we do think they have the thought process where now we've got two guys we can trust. Yeah, I just I'm concerned for the health of Petrus. <laughs> I am too. Um, so there's that's pretty much what everybody kind of is going to, right? Is that Michigan pass rush and defense versus the Iowa offense, how it's gonna go. Um, I'll talk more on that on a little bit, but let's flip it around just for a second. The Michigan rushing attack, okay? Um, so the Michigan rushing attack, ninth in the country. This is strength against strength here, okay? Ninth in the country, 225 yards a game on the ground that they've had. And they've played some tough defenses this year themselves. The Iowa rush defense, 14th in the country, 106 yards on the ground is what they allow. That would average together to an over-under of 165 yards rushing for Michigan, would you take the over or the under 165? Oh boy, that's a good question. Or, hmm. uh, I, th- okay. I think the I, point is, it's a tough one. I, okay, I think I would edge to the over. Okay, interesting. I, I don't blame so. you at all. I would edge to the under, but ever so slightly. In my mind, if Iowa can keep Michigan under 140 yards rushing, that will have been an incredible uh, effort by the Iowa defense. There's three keys to Michigan's rushing attack. Number one, they have got an incredible offensive line. I think yeah. it is the best offensive line in the Big Ten oh, it, for sure. It played the best, and I this think year. it's I think it's the best offensive line in the entire country. Okay? Might be true. Uh, the next thing is they got really really good running backs. Um, I tend to believe there's a lot of talent in Division One football at running back, and a lot of running backs would have success running behind this offensive sure. line in these schemes. With that being said, Hassan Haskins all year long, Blake Corum up to the point he got injured, they are fantastic. And Blake's been playing. You got to figure at this point he's pretty damn close to 100. percent Correct. And he, he looked pretty damn close to 100. percent Yeah, I mean, I think the rumor is. I mean, I don't know how anybody would ne- necessarily know the percentages, but something like. You know, 85, 90%. Yeah. He's maybe not all the way there, but he's looking pretty good. Um, and then the the third thing on that is I, I believe they trick opposing defenses, and it takes a lot of eye discipline out of a defense film study to not get touched up so much. That is one thing where I think I was, I was, I was very, sure. very good at. So. I believe there is going to be a push there that's going to happen. They're going to bust off a 25-yard run here and there because that's what Michigan does. I have faith that Iowa can at least bow up and get Michigan into, you know my buzzword I love, but second and seven plus, third and seven plus. You're not going to get them. I don't think there's going to be a lot of three and outs for the Michigan offense, okay? They'll probably go right down the field, the first series of the game versus the Iowa defense, which the Iowa defense has given up almost the entire year. And then you know what's going to happen? There's going to be an adjustment. Yes, because that's and, what we see it every freaking week just about with correct with Iowa. Correct. So I, I have no reason to believe why this game is going to be any different. The key is, can Iowa stop the bleeding a little bit quicker 
than what maybe you've seen in some of these other games? And can they get some right. points on the board to stay close to Michigan as they start chipping away? Can it be close enough when it's like I'm making scores up in my head, but 17 to 13 and you force Michigan into a third and long, and that's when the big play happens sure. by the defense. I mean, that is by design what Iowa has tried to do in the past. We, we're going to have to try to see it in this game. And speaking of, I think in order for Iowa to really have a shot, I think they need a couple of big things to happen. Okay, I think they need, whether it's a special teams play, whether it's a Charlie Jones, you know, they, they lived off of turnovers. I think they're still number one in, in the country in turnovers. Get one or two of those. That's how they that's how they win this game. That's Correct. one of the elements to winning this game for Iowa. Stopping the bleeding and then getting those big plays. I have it in my notes as well. Why? Because it's probably pretty obvious that that's going to have to be the way that Iowa's going to have then, to win this game. Michigan has taken care of the ball 100%. all year. There you go. And especially Cade McNamara Correct. has taken care of the ball all year. There's... There's parts of an argument that could say, so Iowa, you know, was going to the Big Ten championship no matter what, once Minnesota beat Wisconsin. The winner of the um, Ohio State-Michigan game is obviously who Iowa's going to play. I understand that game was played before the Axe, but there is there's maybe a thought process where would Iowa actually match up better versus Ohio State because Ohio State's front seven struggled against a rushing attack? I get it. If you're saying that this is actually a worse matchup for Iowa than Ohio State was, hmm. it's interesting. Hmm. Not Thought sure about process. that. Not sure about that. Um, here's one thing: this is a special teams appreciation game. There are two great players <laughs> at each position: kicker for both teams, yep. Shudak, Moody, both yep. fantastic. Yep. Two great punters: Brad Robbins, Tory Taylor. Two great returners: Charlie Jones, AJ Henning. I mean, I'm going to be in in Big Kurt heaven watching this game. Yeah, um, I will be too, because I'll be at the game. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you already brought up uh, 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 Cade McNamara, who is pretty much, I think, third team all Big Ten from most of the ones that I saw for both. Um, anyways. Uh, yes, he was third for, for at least one of them. I'm not sure if it was on the both of the, the coaches and the media, but right. it was for one of them at least. Yeah, he was both, actually. Both, so, okay. um, um, he earned uh, it. He absolutely earned it, so... And then um, a couple other just X factors that I'm nervous about. Uh, uh, as far as uh, coming out of the backfield, Donovan Edwards, it is something that the Iowa defense has shown a susceptibility to when they the, drop the back. Pass. Is is yeah. I mean, not to bring up the Rose Bowl again, but that was an, obviously an athletic running back coming out of the backfield that could catch the ball. I mean, Donovan Edwards has done that against a lot of good defenses this year. That is something to look out for. Set the, set the record for receiving yards by a running back in Michigan history in one game. And then uh, another one, too, is, I mean, they've got a lot of good wide receivers, but freshman Andrew Anthony, I don't know, tall, yeah. long, fast receiver. That is somebody that I could see making a big X-factor type of play in this game. Yeah, really curious to see the wide receivers that I think are really underrated for Michigan up against the great pass defense of the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's yeah. going to be a fun matchup. I kept trying to think going into this cast, how who did I feel had the advantage? I really don't know. And And I'm obviously, I'm okay, I'm going to officially now <laughs> – Jeffrey the Greek, the prognosticator, is done. <laughs> I am now Jeff, the Iowa football fan. Uh, let me ask you this. Are, are, you, are you a little bit um, 
nostalgic, I guess. It's Iowa-Michigan. Like, to me, this is a good old rivalry that goes all the way back think, to the Hayden days. I think like, about 1985. Okay, so to me, we haven't seen Iowa versus Michigan in a Big Ten championship. So it's you, you got one team that's getting there for the first time in Michigan, and Iowa's only been there twice. It's 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 not... Northwestern versus Ohio State. It's not Wisconsin versus Ohio State. This is two kind of fresh faces. Do you think that adds to the intrigue of the game? Because it does for me. I mean, I always want to see fresh faces in these games. Okay. I never want to see it be the same. You know, I have nothing against Ohio State. I like Ohio State, like their program. Same with Wisconsin. But I just kind of, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to Wisconsin and Ohio State again. But yeah. Now, this is much more exciting. I was just thinking about it. This has to be the biggest Iowa-Michigan game since 85. I That's a – It has I to would, be. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. What could possibly be bigger? Um, one more stat to kind of pull out. Uh, since coming to Iowa, there's been 13 games played between Iowa and uh, Michigan. What do you think Kirk Ferentz's record is in those games? It's 13 games since coming to Iowa. That So 13 times Kirk Ferentz has faced Michigan would be a better It's got to be that. right. It's got to be very close to 500. Seven and six in favor of somebody. Seven and six in favor of Iowa. In favor of Iowa. Okay. Okay. Do you, I knew it, would, do you think that would surprise some people? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, especially some folks outside the Big Ten footprint, okay. I think, would have surprised yeah. quite a bit. But, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think if you look back at the record over the last five years, over the last ten years, overall, I'm just talking about in general, these are very comparable programs over the, over the recent history. Five, ten years, maybe even 15. 20. Okay, 20. Bingo. There you, you go. You nailed it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, think people realize that. I, think I don't think they do. Don't I don't think that. they do either. Um, I'm going to attempt to get some people to understand it on Thursday night. I will fail miserably. <laughs> Good luck but, with that. Yeah. It's going to be like pushing water uphill, <laughs> but gosh dang it, I'm stubborn. All right, man, you go first. <laughs> okay. So um, I I do think this is going to end up being a pretty good game. I, I like what you said about Michigan getting out fast. I don't see Iowa, you know, wilting. I don't, I, this, this is not going to be a blowout either way. I mean, I'd be, would I be hugely surprised if Michigan blow out Iowa? No, not hugely, but I'd be surprised. Would I be super surprised if Iowa blew up Michigan? Yeah, I think so. But I think in the end, Michigan's a stronger overall team. I think this is the best team in the conference. I think they're on a roll right now. I have Michigan 27, Iowa 19. So that's an Iowa cover. And at 46, I have the over. over. And my Amador lock of the week, by the way, is the over. Is the over. It, if I had to choose one of the two, I'm going with the over. I think. Okay. We um, don't have the we don't have the bottle here. So yeah, it's all right. No big deal. My amateur. Mrs. Greek moved it. On my amateur. Double barrel lock of the week. I'm a I'm a creature of habit. All right. Um, as I already alluded to, I'm I'm a fan right now, and I can't I can't separate my fandom. And, and like, I, I'm always excited to go to an Iowa football game in person, but they're typically in Kinnick Stadium or if they're in town here. This has got a whole different <laughs> feel to it. You know, like, sure. you're texting with family members and buddies and calling and working out details. Got, like, there is a lot of things that could. And every time you do that, like, you get, and you, of course, you're doing your job and I'm taking care of my kids at night. And the days have, it's already Wednesday night now. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, we're less than three days away of me sitting my butt down into that stadium. It's got a bowl field. I, I, I've, I'm giddy to think about being at this game. I don't and blame you. There is this 
there's this thing where Iowa football in big moments is pretty good at, at getting some payouts a lot of time. Like Iowa football has gotten a lot of wins. Um, what is typically the setup in those wins? Iowa's getting overlooked. Yeah. Everybody's betting and talking negatively against Iowa and, and talking about the other team. We have got that tenfold right now. The other thing too, don't get me wrong. Iowa Nebraska is a budding rivalry, but it's, it's not to the level of any of, you know, a lot of other big rivalries in college football, as far as the, how much it means to the, to the players. Also that game was played on Friday. That's an extra recovery day for Iowa. Michigan, on the other hand, Ah. just got done playing in the biggest rivalry in all of college football in the biggest version of that game in the last 25 years. I I know that a lot of talk has been coming out of the Michigan football complex saying it's not over. We still have, you know, work to do. Jim Harbaugh had to remind his team that the miracle on ice did not happen for the gold medal game. The next week they had to go play Finland to win the gold medal. All of that is talk that has to happen. The reality of getting back up after a big game like that, there is something to that to me. So we both listened to a clip today. Brad Powers, he's a big better out in, in Vegas, and uh, he was on the Greg and Pogue show down in Nashville. And he said, and I thought about it, I think he's right, that was the biggest win that Michigan's had since their national championship. Correct. I don't even think it's up for debate. Yeah. So I ha- what, I mean, I had what to think inevitably about goes up, comes down. I saw it happen to Iowa when they beat Penn State at home and were you know, as flat as these sheets of paper in front of us for the Purdue game. It happens. It's college football. These are 18 to 23-year-old kids, and it happens, okay? And then the last thing I'll add is I think you'll see some wrinkles from the Iowa offense. It is odd, but Kirk Ferentz coaches like he's got $10 million on the line versus Western Michigan, and he just throws it at the casino when he's going against these bigger teams. It's like... It's like he relaxes more in these big games with the play calling yeah. than during the the middling teams. Okay. Their their record against the spread when they're a double digit dog like this is uncanny. There you go. I feel like much of the intangibles are in Iowa's favor to offset all of the talent that we talked about with Michigan. So I've got a really good game. Michigan starts out quick, okay? Gets up to a lead, something like 14 to six, you know, a lot, a lot like it's a pretty close game at halftime, but Michigan's pretty much in control, but Michigan can't put Iowa away. Caleb Shudek keeps chipping away. Tory Taylor keeps the field position in Iowa's favor. And then boom, big special teams play or boom, a big defensive play. They're right back in the game. They go down to kick a field goal at the end of the game to win 26 to 24. And that's a total of 50. That's an over. And with the over 43, that's my Amador double barrel lock of the week. 26 to 24. 26 to 24. So How many Caleb Shudak field goals in there? I didn't really do the math. I just really like the number, and that's what I went okay. with. Grab me that bottle over there because yeah. I got kind of ripped off. Yeah, on you my, did kind of. My Amador double barrel lock of the week. So we both have the, the over. Is the over, yeah. yeah. I like the over. All right. Um, so last thing, since we can put it at the end if people don't want to listen to it, but we'll go through the Big Ten individual awards oh, okay. real quick. Sure. Um, 
I don't think a lot of these are are uh, that surprising. Um, the Dungy Dungy, sorry, Dungy Thompson Humanitarian Award. Congratulations to Malcolm Jenkins with Ohio State. Way to go, Malcolm. Ford Kinnick Leadership Award, named after Niall Kinnick and Sheriff Hard. Pat Richter with Wisconsin. So good for those guys. All right. Offensive, Graham George, Offensive Player of the Year, C.J. Stroud. I think that pretty much is what we thought, correct? Yep. Good pick. Nagurski Woodskin, Defensive Player of the Year, Aiden Hutchinson I mean, for I, Michigan. I'm not going to complain, especially after that Ohio State game. Maybe and he was great all year he long. He was great all year long. Do you remember me and you talking about how electric he looked from week one? Yes. Where I said, like, it looks like he's on, like he's got springs in his in his feet. Yeah, but I had a Superman crush on Leo Chanel. Yeah, but I still think Aiden Hutchinson deserved it after that Iowa State game. That was the that was a difference maker. I got a super grown up crush for Aiden crush, Hutchinson's mom. Oh mercy! <laughs> have you seen? Yes, I have. <laughs> a lot of talent in the Hutchinson family. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the Thompson Randall Freshman of the Year, C.J. Stroud. Duh. The Haysham Beckler Coach of the Year goes to. It's got to be Mel Tucker. Okay. Is there a little bit of a debate with khaki pants? There's that? a little bit of a. De- I mean, I guess eh, I don't know. He won the he won the Big Tenies. Yeah, but Mel beat him head to head, and everyone everyone the the over, it's always the new guy. I know, but the over under, and it's always the guy that had the supposedly bad team and was a surprise. So their their preseason over under was four, and they won you know yep. they won ten games. So it's hard not to give it to them. So they won six more. I I think Michigan's over under preseason was six and a half. Uh, The Greasy Breeze quarterback of the year, obviously, again, C.J. Stroud. Pretty good freshman year for C.J. Stroud. The Richter Howard receiver of the year, David Bell. Thank you. Thank you, Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's the right call. But my gosh, Jahan Dotson and the trio of wide receivers for Ohio State. That is an incredible award to win for David Bell. But I I believe he led the Big Ten in both receptions and receiving yards. I know yards for sure. Uh, the Amici Dane running back of the year. Another no brainer. Kenny, Kenny Walker, the third of Michigan state, the Kowalczyk Clark tight end of the year. Austin Allen hey, of Nebraska, Nebraska fans. I was singing his praises in the, in the preseason episode. Go back and listen to it. And I was poo pooing your praises. You poo pooed. I did poo poo. There was poo pooing. I was wrong. You were right. Good job. And great job by Austin Allen. The Remington Pace Offensive Lineman of the Year. Another kind of obvious one to me. I was Tyler Linderbaum. Um, the Smith-Brown Defensive Lineman of the Year. Again, Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan. The Butkiss Fitzgerald. How about that? How about the Linebacker of the Year award being named after the current coach of Northwestern? You think he uses that in recruiting fetches at all? That is pretty cool. I will <laughs> I, I will even admit that. The Buckets Fitzgerald Linebacker of the Year, your guy, my guy too. I mean, I think we both have, have talked about how amazing he is. Leo Chanel of Wisconsin. The Tatum Woodson Defensive Back of the Year, Iowa's own Riley Moss. No kidding. You did not know I, that? I missed that one. Okay, wow. Riley Moss and all his pick six interception sure, yeah. glory. Okay. Um, another thing to point out, too, is the, the pass defense took a step back when Riley Moss was out with yeah. injury, and it came back with a vengeance uh, when he was sure. when he was there. Iowa has now won, since we've gone to these naming of these awards, Iowa defensive backs have literally won half of the defensive back <laughs> of the year awards. Mercy. Wow. And next year, if, if Riley Moss goes – Pro moves on or whatever. Mark my words, Iowa will not have a defensive back on the preseason first or second. No, of team. course not. Happens every single year. <laughs> but isn't that how you want it? 
I guess, but you would think at some point they would just say, let's just put an Iowa guy. Yeah, one of these guys I know. Who, who's the best one? Well, we'll put him on there. The Bakken Anderson, you know, you know what it is? B-A-K-K-E-N. I don't know who it is. Oh, Bakken? Bakken. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anderson, kicker of the year. Jake Moody of Michigan. Really? Mm. I've got a little... I've got a little beef with that. I could, I could see you having beef with I, that. I'm, I, in fact, I've got a gigantic beef. I think Caleb Shudak, what he did in the last month of the season with those, I mean, four for four versus Nebraska, I think he was four for four versus Illinois, too. I yeah, mean, well, he was good all yeah, year. He hit four, and I'm pretty sure. The only one of the miss, two of the misses he had were snaps, were bad snaps. And the one was just at a bad angle. I, you got to put that on him, I guess. But like, so I don't have the stats in front of me for either. each of those, but. If you had asked me who is who deserves it off the top of your head, I would have said Shudak. The biggest game or the biggest award, you know, we'll save that one for last. The Rogers Dwight, Tim Dwight played with him at Iowa. The Rogers Dwight return specialist of the year, Charlie Jones out of Iowa. Okay. D- well deserved. Well deserved. And then the last, certainly not the most least when it comes to this podcast, the Edelman Fields punter of the year. Oh, Edelman, huh? Jordan Stout with Penn State. I mean, you could have given that to five different guys. I, I, Jordan Stout 100% deserves it. That's not saying we don't. Literally half of the league could have won that. Well, because Blake Hayes was a third-team punter, and I wasn't even upset. Right. I really wasn't. Yep. I'm like, yeah, well, okay. Torrey Taylor. I'll take that. Rutgers. I mean, okay, so the Michigan one- State. Michigan. I think Michigan State. Yeah. Michigan State is a good punter, too. Beringer. Yeah. Bryce Banger. Yeah. Yeah, he was on. I think he's one of the punters listed, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think so. I don't have it in front of me. Specialists are tough, though. They always get kind of screwed. Okay, well, so while you're looking for that, the one that stuck out the to me. The first, second, and third team for punters were Jordan Stout, Bryce Beringer, Michigan yeah, State, and Adam Corsak for Rutgers. Tory Taylor doesn't even get it. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um. So the one that stuck out to me is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. Was the third team wide receiver. Correct. Wow. But but there was a it, there was just a such a bunch of talent. Like it was actually, I'll be honest with you, a little bit of a down year for defensive backs. It was a down year for defensive linemen. It was an incredible year for wide receivers, right, punters, but, and but kickers. But I saw that Olave was first team. If yeah. You, if you're gonna go first, if you're gonna give an award to an Ohio State receiver, to me. It was Smith and Jagba. I get it. There, it's a lifetime achievement award, so to speak, for Olave. But and Jigba had a better season. Um, the media at uh, wide receiver had Jahan Dotson, David Bell, first team. The coaches at receiver had Chris Olave and David Bell. So David Bell, the only one on both. Of course, Chris Olave, second team on the media. Uh, Garrett Wilson was second team on one, third team on mm. the other. I take that back. Garrett Wilson was second team on both. Okay. okay. So he was consistent. JSN, he was third team on both as well. But, I mean, Jaden Reed is right there. I mean, yeah. think about um, uh, Samari Torre. Doesn't get a whiff for cer- first, second, or third team. Yeah. He had a monster year. Sure. He just couldn't He couldn't break up. I mean, it's the, the year of the wide receiver in the big time. Um, as far as running back, now they get a little bit of a boost there because – they they have two running back spots, you know. So basically, sure, it's kind of like a bonus spot. It a is, little bit. yeah, a little bit, right? Uh, but uh, Hassan Haskins and uh, Kenneth Walker, obviously, I should say Kenneth Walker and Hassan Haskins, since he was the, they were unanimous for for first team. Braylon Allen, right there. Travion Henderson, Blake or Chase Brown. Yeah, I was, I was really happy to see him, and make. he deserved it. So that was good to see him. 
on there. And I think I think uh, uh, Kirby Joseph made first team, and I think he was the first first team safety for Illinois since Marlon Primus. Nineteen eighty nine. Really? I think so, yeah. Been that long. Yeah. Um for safety, just for safety, not defensive back overall. Gotcha. Um last thing I'm just gonna be pissed about this, but so Jack Campbell, first team, all Big Ten media. Third team for the <laughs> I did see that one did stick out to me as well, yes. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about so it. So you that's not just me being an Iowa fan. No, and by the way, listeners, I don't have this in front of me. I'm just going Yo, by, sorry. I'm just going by memory from looking at it earlier today. There you go. Anything else? No, other than can't wait for a good game. Yeah. I'm going to have some buddies over to the house, I think. It's going to be maybe gonna... some Amador flowing, perhaps. I'm not sure. Probably. No, actually, I'm sure. There will be some <laughs> Amador flowing. And speaking of Amador and whatever else I can get my hands on in Indianapolis flowing, it will be on Saturday. That is a long trip back. We might not have a podcast out real quick oh, yeah. on Sunday. That's a good point. We should We should have made that point right up front when we started recording, but probably a Monday publish. I'm thinking could be. Yeah. I would say could Monday. Be. Yeah. All let's, right. let's just say Monday. If it happens, let's to be say sooner. Monday. If we, if we've the bar set medium right there, if we put it on Monday, there's a chance I could get underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, but good luck. Thanks, good luck man. to your team. Have yeah. fun. I mean, I, I can't wait. It's a, it's a, it's a bucket list thing, man. I mean, this could be something that my brothers and I and buddies and I talk about sure. for 25 years. I would say the last time I was as giddy as you, I was driving down to New Orleans to watch my Illini take on the LSU Tigers. Sugar, the Bowl. Sugar Bowl. Yeah. yeah. New Year's of 2002. And you still remember it, even though it was almost 20 years ago, right? I drove down there without tickets. Bought them right outside the stadium before the game. It's the gambler. That's yeah. the gambler in you. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.